We finished Peter. I don't like using Bible language words because I feel like it's pretentious. But we have to use them for this series. Okay? This word right here. Someone just sent me. Oh, no, it was you sent me this thing. How pastors use, uh, make you repeat words, and it's annoying. So, Nate, just you alone. I want you to say Elohim. Okay. Okay. That's fine. It's fine. Hello. Elohim. I don't know if that's the best title for this sermon series. Really, the best title would be Unseen Realm, but it was too on the nose for what God has been uh, bringing me through. And here's the short version. I've got a lot of pastor friends. I've got a lot of, uh, there's pastor friends. There's pastor Bible nerds. Then there's people who call themselves scholars. And then there's like actual scholars, people that open a Hebrew Bible and they read it as if we were reading a children's Bible. They, they know the Hebrew language and the Greek and the New Testament inside and out. And there was a crisis that I had as I was reading through a psalm. It was, it's Psalm 82. That's where you can flip in your Bibles. And we're going to be in various places today. They're in the Bible app notes. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, there's an event and it has the passages that we're working through today. And I would encourage you to do that if you don't know how to find that. If you don't have the correct Bible app, you can actually go to thechapelfh.org. And on one of the menu items, it just says this week. And it will have the things that are pertinent to this week, including a link to the Bible app notes, uh, including this, a link to the sermon study. Psalm 82 sort of blew my mind. Because if you grew up in church, we have this idea of which spiritual beings are acceptable and which ones we believe in. This, this morning's message is called the divine counsel because the Bible teaches something very different from what you and I believe. And, and just to preemptively just focus it in today, this is what we're studying. We're looking at beings in the spiritual realm and what they do up there with God and down here among us, because there are more beings than the ones that you are probably thinking of. And, and I just want to um, prove that. In case you have questions, because this will get really weird. The next six weeks are going to be weird. We're going full on like angelology, demonology, the other beings with the eyes and the wings. But the spoiler alert, you angels don't have wings. And when it comes to spiritual beings, there are two errors that I see in the church. The first error is that people just believe they're not really, really real or they're functionally not real. We may say, yes, we believe in God, angels maybe, demons maybe, but we live our lives as if spiritual beings don't actually interact with us. And the other error that I see is the same brilliant looking man. They're everywhere. You might know some of these Christians. There's a demon around every corner. Right now as we speak, and I am being a bit facetious because I think it's silly, there are multiple pastors and the tunes of hundreds and thousands that are casting out Satan from their gatherings this morning. And in case you don't know this, Satan is not omnipresent. Only God is. So unless Satan is really fast and one pastor is like, Satan, get out. And then he goes to the next church down the street that says, Satan, get out. And he's just like Santa Claus, but an evil version. Um, I don't know what they're talking about, but I do want us to understand this. Spiritual beings have been around longer than us. They were created before the foundations of the world. And it says in Job 38, they watched as God creator, God of Israel created all of us. It says they were looking at us watching. They're watching God like, yes, go Lord. But 
for today, we're not going to look at all these. These are a bunch of names for spiritual beings in the Bible. God, Spirit, Lord, Angel of the Lord, Angel, which just means messenger, by the way. Satan or the Satan just means like someone who stands in opposition. Serpent, devil, son of God, seraphim, cherubim, those weird ones we'll talk about another week coming up. These are the ones we're going to look at today. God. The word for God is what, Nate? What's the word for God in the Bible? Starts with the L, rhymes with Ohim. Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. There's a problem with this that we're going to see in a moment. This is the name for God. There's really no vowels in the ancient Hebrew language. So we pronounce it Yahweh. yod He vah He. Lord with all caps in your English Bibles. Every time you see all caps Lord in your English Bible, it's this name. Every time you see G-O-D in your English Bibles, it's the word Elohim. The other word that gets translated from the exact imprint of Elohim is the word gods, which we're going to get to. It's going to be creepy. This is what I used to think of when I thought of God. When I was a child, I literally thought God was an old gray bearded man and they were duking it out in the heavens. And Satan was always, what did Satan look like? Madonna. No, not Madonna. Sorry. Uh, we're going on. That was bad. That was bad. Lord. I... Okay. Okay. When you think of God, maybe you think of just bright light. After I, I became a follower of Jesus, I thought, okay, God isn't a, an old man, even though he's called father. So I'm, I think God's just a light because I read Isaiah 6 says it was just bright before the throne and these beings screaming how holy God is. So I thought God is just this light. Ah. When you think of Holy Spirit, what do you think of? A dove. What about when you think of Jesus? What do you think of? The chosen I couldn't even, I didn't want to pick a picture of Jesus that you could see his face because then I didn't want you guys being like, that's what he looked like? Because you wouldn't recognize him based on the movies and stuff that we have nowadays. If the actual incarnate Jesus walked through the door, you wouldn't be like, that's got to be him because he would be much shorter than me. He would be very uh, tan, scruffy, dirty, unshowered, unkempt. Nothing the Bible says of his physical appearance would draw us to him. The Holy Spirit is a dove. I just thought this was a cool picture of dove. I wanted to use it in a slideshow. I don't even know if that's a dove. It looks like a hummingbird to me. But I Googled Holy Spirit and that picture came up. That's what Google tells me the Holy Spirit is. What are these? Angels. Fun fact, angels don't have wings. Anywhere in the Bible. I'm shattering someone's precious moments collection right now as we speak. There are spiritual beings with wings. An angel literally is a messenger. An angel, the word angel in the Old Testament and the New Testament is not only used of spiritual messengers, but also used of human messengers. So when we say an angel and we are thinking of a, a physical representation of a spiritual being, I need you to understand that when these spiritual messengers show up, they always appear as human beings. Now, I don't know the last time you saw a human being with wings was, but I haven't seen one other than in a sitcom show that I watched a few years back. Now, of course, we've got the cool ones. Life-size angel, size of a human, these bad boys. These are what I daydreamed about because sermons are boring. Listen, if you're here and you're a young person, you're like, the sermon is boring. I will tell you exactly what I did when I was in your shoes. I daydreamt that the weirdest demonic creature clashed through the roof of the building where I was. It had a huge skylight in the middle. 
so we don't have a skylight, but I'm sure that this Hurricane 4 rating building can't stand up to an evil power. And then I daydreamed that God would equip me with his armor. Ah! And I would battle it out. All the while, there was this British pastor named Barry Jones preaching a sermon I couldn't understand. The only thing that we did watching his sermons was count how many times he licked his lips because he did it often. So just be grateful that for all of my flaws, I'm not a lip licker, okay? The cherubim are wild creatures. Faces of different animals. Wings that are around, covering their feet, covering their face. There's another type of creature, and it's seen in a vision. It's having eyes all over. And it's it's hard to read through the scriptures and determine, okay, what are the visions and what are the spiritual realities? We have Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden. The first spiritual being that we see interacting with humans We're going to talk about the rebellions next week. There's not just one rebellion. There's three major rebellions in the Bible that impact how we ought to live and follow God today. Then we have this guy. That's a a statue at a Satanist church. These things exist. There are people that would say this is a modern depiction of evil. We have other ones. But for today now, I need us to understand these spiritual beings. This is what floored me. I read Psalm 82, and it sent me into a crisis. Verse 1 is all we need to read today. I put all of the psalm in your Bible. In Psalm 82, it sounds pretty easy, right? It starts like this. God has taken his place in the divine council. Huh, a divine council, like a group of people getting together to think about things. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So God, let me fix this for us. Elohim, literally in the manuscripts, Elohim has taken his place in the divine council, in the midst of the Elohim. Did you catch that? So what we have to do in our minds is to understand that we have taken Bible words and we've defined them through our cultural lens. The Old Testament Hebrew Israelites did not have the same worldview that you and I have. They were comfortable using the word Elohim for what it meant, simply a spiritual being. And this is where it gets scary because we're taught that there's how many gods? One God. But why do we translate Elohim as God with a capital G and then God with a lowercase g? And it's the exact same word. It literally just means God plural, spiritual beings plural. And reading this sent me into a tailspin of understanding what the Israelite people would have thought when they heard the word Elohim. There's this really cool story where King Saul in the Old Testament, he he wants to see Samuel, but he's already banned these witches that would call people back from the dead. So he calls one, the Witch of Endor. She's from the third movie of the Star Wars series. And he calls the witch forward and he says, I want you to to raise up Samuel. I want you to call Samuel from the dead. I need to talk to him. And the witch knew that King Saul had banned it, but he was in disguise. And he said, don't worry, I won't tell anybody. So the witch summons Samuel, and, the, and she sees something. And the king can see, like, what are you seeing? And she goes, I, I see an Elohim. Now, it wasn't the God of the Bible, but it's there plain as day in the Hebrew. An Elohim is any spiritual being, any dis, disembodied spiritual being, a spirit that is not currently attached to a body is an Elohim, and that is what the Israelites would have thought of when they heard this. They weren't bothered like we are. And we're going to get to this whole pantheon thing. But there is a council of gods. 
Elohim, let me say it that way, because it's going to unsettle all the Baptists. Edwin is sweating down his back right now. But the Bible just says God's, Edwin. So should I use the Bible's words, or should I placate you and call them spiritual beings for the rest of the series? It's up to you now. God's. You're so nervous, though. Elohim is God or God's. When you see these words in your Old Testament specifically, because Elohim is a Hebrew word, these, are, these words get translated from that word. Similarly, just a reminder, if you see this word, all caps in the Old Testament, it is this word, Yahweh. It is the name of God. So Yahweh is an Elohim, but not all Elohim are Yahweh. Are we tracking? It's going to get only weirder because there's this council and it appears in other places. And we've seen it, but we just like to ignore it because it's weird. And I promise you, this has important, dire consequences for our lives that we understand the spiritual beings. And it's really going to come into play next year, but we have to get this groundwork laid. This is a very um, cool passage. This is from First Kings. There's a very bad king called Ahab, not the pirate. And God is like, we're going to deal with him now. We're going to judge him. So this is what it says. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord. What's the word there? Yahweh. So that's Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right and on his left. And Yahweh said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And this is what's happening. God's in the middle of a council, a divine council. Psalm 82 would say, a host of heaven, First Kings would say. And God says, we're going to deal with this Ahab situation. What's up? What are we going to do? He's literally inviting what are called in the Bible, the sons of God to participate in his spiritual divine plan. And it says this, this is so wild to me. And one said one thing and another said another. Like they're spiritual beings in the Bible. And, and God's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do something. Why don't you guys talk amongst yourselves? I am the God of all, but I want you to participate, spiritual sons. So they're just there. I want to know how spiritual beings talk to each other. I don't know what language they speak. I'm not going to pretend to know what language they speak, but I will definitely believe that they speak because one said one thing and another said another. They're having disagreements. Isn't that comforting to know? that spiritual beings that live in the presence of God are like, I think I have a better idea than you. Because we all think that about the person next to you. And then a spirit came forward and he stood before the Lord. They talked amongst each other. There's this courtroom in heaven where these spiritual beings are talking and one says, I've got it. I will go and entice him. And the story unfolds and he goes down and entices him. And, and God uses this spirit's plan. Does God need his plan? No. But he chooses to use it. He wants them to participate. They are the governing rulers and they are the messengers from the spiritual realm, the unseen realm that we cannot see. And we are, conversely, in Genesis 1, called to be the rulers of this realm. And we have not taken that role very seriously. Here's another one, a very famous story. This is from the book of Job. Some of you have felt Jobed lately. I know this. I pray for you often. There was a day when the sons of God, sons of Elohim, came up to present themselves before Yahweh. And, and Satan 
This is a weird that Satan didn't become a proper noun until after the intertestamental period. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they rewrote it back in. It's literally Hasatan, which means the Satan. So they came before Yahweh. It's not the Yahweh. It's literally just Yahweh, the creator, and the Satan also came among them. And Yahweh said to the Satan, from where have you come? And the Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So there's this aspect of spiritual life that we've, we've been told things that aren't true. For example, um, is Satan, which means the adversary or the opposer to God, is he a sin-filled being from what we know? Yes or no? Yes. How many of you have been taught that evil cannot be in the presence of God? Okay. What up? The, the opposer, the adversary, came up when all of the sons of God were there to present themselves before the Lord. And the opposer comes up and starts having this conversation with Yahweh. Now, here's what's wild to me. <clears throat> we either read the Bible on its terms or we try to sanitize it so it doesn't make us uncomfortable. Let me say that again. We read the Bible on its terms, or we sanitize it so that it doesn't make us uncomfortable. And it, we have a nasty habit of reading passages like this, or every January when I get the text, what's going on in Genesis 6? What are these sons of God, sons of Elohim, who went and slept with the daughters of men and made these offspring called Nephilim? What is going on with that? Or what the text that I get, for those of you that succeed through January in your Bible reading plan, you inevitably get to the point where Joshua is commanded to go and wipe out man, woman, and child of entire peoples. And you say, what's up with that? These things are all connected to this spiritual realm and the rebellions that have happened, that are happening, and how we are being tempted to get drawn into this. But we, we need to make sure we let the Bible stand. We don't need to say more than the Bible says, and we for sure don't want to say less and ignore things that the Bible says. <clears throat> Exodus 20. Now, this is going to make a lot of sense as it begins to wrap together, because right now we're building puzzle pieces, and we're going to start putting them together so it makes sense in our minds. This is the beginning of the Ten Commandments, if you're unfamiliar with Exodus 20. He says, I am Yahweh, your Elohe, Elohim. So God is saying, I am Yahweh, and I'm your spirit being. Brought, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other Elohim before me. Now, what on earth do you suppose it would mean? Here's how we would do this in a modern way. As Western thinkers, we would say, well, this means just put nothing above God. Don't put money above God. Don't put your family above God. Don't put your 401k. Don't put your car. Don't put your reputation. Nothing should go above God. And we treat this as if it were just a placeholder for things. But the Bible says, have no other Elohim before me. Now, what's fascinating, don't worry, Jesse, it'll get better. It's fascinating to me. It's, that was so easy. <laughs> it's fascinating to me that we don't want to let the Bible stand on its own legs. It's like we're uncomfortable with something because we've been taught a system for so long that God must fit in. And as soon as God says something outside of our system, we say, no, 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 no. That doesn't fit in my system. 
Pastor Ryan, you don't understand. I grew up in the church. What do you mean there's a divine council? What do you mean there's sons of God who are like a family? I mean, I've read that. I just assume angels, there's bad angels, there's God, and that's it, right? It's going to get real weird next week because I don't want to spoiler alert too much, but God essentially at the Tower of Babel when he separated everybody, it says that he separated the people based on the number of sons of God he had to govern over them. There are territorial Elohim that govern over regions of our world. And I'm not just making this up. In Daniel 10, when Daniel prays and God says, I'm going to send an answer to your prayer through this messenger, the messenger goes and it says he gets stuck by the prince of the heir of Persia. And not all of these beings are good beings, by the way. If you read Psalm 82, where we read the first verse in the very beginning, that psalm is God speaking to the council. And he's saying, you have governed wrongly. I am going to judge you and you will die because you have governed outside of my will. That's what Psalm 82 is. God's judgment against other spiritual beings, other Elohim, other lowercase g-o-d-s's to help Edwin stay sensible today. So when he says, have no other Elohim before me, he's saying there are spiritual beings and spiritual realities and their rebellion is to suck you in, to draw you into worshiping them. And it's not just a figment of a spiritual imagination. There are beings who exist in rebellion and they are luring us. Well, that doesn't happen to any of us today. There is no way that a culture would become enthralled with evil spiritual beings. Oh, did you miss the Grammys? Because that was the Grammys. I'm sure you saw it on the news. I know at least 45% of you are like conservative news junkies. You just took it in the arm. You need this. Look how evil Hollywood is. Yes. Not just Hollywood in general, but culture. And let me explain something. This is a statue in New York City. It's one of two that look the same. It seems weird to me, right? This statue is entitled Now. There's also one on top of the appellate courthouse in New York. The two statues together are called Hava, to breathe air and have life. You're not going to connect this probably because it's um, Yod, He, Va, He. Hava are the middle letters of the name of our Elohim. And this statue was erected, and this is according to the author, entitled Now, because it is needed in the current year when abortion rights are being challenged in the wake of Supreme Court returning abortion law to the states. So these statues were erected to say, we want to fight for the ability to continue having abortions. Now, if you're here and you've had an abortion, I'm not here to throw a rock at you. I have the greatest sympathy and pain for you. I understand, and I've talked with many women. That is a difficult decision. I'm here to tell you that from here forward, we can understand things in the spiritual realm that are happening because there is another idol, and it was called Molech. This was actually erected outside of the Colosseum in 2019 by the Vatican, who runs the Colosseum art exhibits. It's a representation of Molech. It was the god of the Ammonites and the Canaanites and a few of the other surrounding tribes where Israel's in the middle, and they would sacrifice children to this being, Molech. And they didn't believe, just so you know, that this was the god. 
If you look at ancient idols, many of them would have their mouths open. They would construct these idols and they left the mouth open and their hope and their desire was that a spirit, an Elohim, one of the rebellious ones presumably, would go inside and inhabit and stay with them so that they would essentially have a spiritual being's power at their beck and call. So in the Bible, when God tells Gideon, go tear down the Asherah pole, go tear down Baal, go tear down these Molech statues, he's not just saying you're tearing down a, a representation of something. The people at these times believed if we create this, then maybe one of these gods will make our village, our town, their home. Today, if you don't think that these are related, there are, throughout time, and if you look in like Daniel's time, when he gets that prayer hindered by the prince of the air of Persia. And that, that good guy messenger, he says he's held up for 21 days until Michael, the prince, comes. So there's a hierarchy. There's stronger spiritual beings and there's lesser spiritual beings. Michael apparently is the strongest. He's the baddest mammer jammer. The Satan, who we also call the devil, who we also call Lucifer, who we also call the morning star. He was, as we'll see in another week, in the garden of Eden, walked among the, the holy mountain of God. He was adorned with precious jewels and stones. He was one of these Elohim, and he rebelled. And this is why when you travel, you'll notice that there's different darknesses over different countries. For those of you who have traveled to different parts of the world, and even different parts of America, you'll, you'll notice when you go in, if you open up your spiritual eyes and say, what are, what are the traps that are drawing in us the sons of God on earth, the daughters of God on earth, what are the traps that are being laid for us to fall into? What are the sin patterns that are predominant in one area, but maybe not another area? And we just look at it as social problems. Oh yes, of course, like in the Midwest, they've got rampant drug problems because they're bored in the cornfields. They don't know what else to do. They make stuff that blows up. And of course, well, sex trafficking exists in Tampa Bay and Los Angeles and Miami because those are port cities. Yeah, that's that's the only reason why. How about we begin to step back and say, there might be a spiritual reality that I'm missing. Because there was a Elohim that was saying, sacrifice children to me 3,000 years ago. And there's an Elohim today that I believe is telling many countries to say, sacrifice your children to me. And it's on the altar of the same thing they did to Molech. It is, if you give me your child, I will give you favor. I will give you blessing. I will give you freedom. But we don't want to say all that. No, that'd be too on the nose. Deuteronomy says, this is a wild verse. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. That was to Molech. So God's saying, Israel, I am your Elohim and you are mine. Is this making sense now why the Bible has certain phrases? Like why the Bible calls... God, the most high God. If he's the only one, he's just, I'm the only one. He's the most high. There's Elohim and he's above them all. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings, which means he rules the heavenly host and he rules the earthly host. All of these sayings are in the Bible. We've read them a thousand times and we just didn't give them a second thought. But this one, it trips me out because he's telling Israel, look, all these nations around you, they're serving other Elohim. And I need you to know, just like with Egypt, when I took you out of Egypt, in case you think those miracles, the plagues were random, those plagues line up with the powers of the Egyptian gods. And Yahweh was saying, I'm better than you. I'm better than you, the Nile God. I'm better than the frog. I'm better than the, the, the harvest. I'm better than all your little gods. I win them all. And now he's saying this, I want you to watch your behavior. Don't offer your children up for, for uh, offering. Don't practice divination. 
tell fortunes, interpret omens. Don't, don't be a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer. Any World of Warcraft fans out here? Oh my goodness. That was like one of you knew that reference. Or one who inquires of the dead. So God's saying, don't do that. Here's an exercise. If I were to tell Jesse, Jesse, you are thus prohibited from the Lord. You are not allowed to flap your arms and fly up 10,000 feet with your hands and arms flapping vigorously. That wouldn't make sense because you can't do it. Can you? Not that I'm aware of. If you did, I'd be shocked. I'd give you the mic and be like, finish this up. Okay. God is not going to prohibit something that humans are incapable of accessing. So as a conservative, theological, grumpy man, and like back in 2004, when was the Harry Potter craze? 2004? 2000? Remember all the Christians up in arms? Do not read Harry Potter. It's got the devil's lettuce in it. And I was like, it's just a book. And now I'm like, or was it? You see, God prohibits something that can be done. And we know this because there are fortune tellers. So when you read the, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the lady over down on McDill. You know, don't go see Jasmine with her gems and her, her Jamaican accent and her crystal ball. I'm not talking about that, but maybe I am. I'm saying that in the Bible, there's a little girl in the New Testament who was going around saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And Paul's like, stop it. Can we talk to the dead? Well, no, we don't, we don't have the power to talk to the dead, you know, but some of you are going to go home if you were born the same age I am, and you're going to go put a penny in your door and see if it rises up with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi. God's not going to prohibit something that's impossible. The reason these things are possible is because the spiritual realm overlaps with the physical realm. Eden, when it happened, was the meeting place of the spiritual council and the earthly council. This was the place where heaven and earth connected. And when we were removed from heaven and, heaven and earth, God put the cherub guardian with the sword waving back and forth saying, you can no longer be here. You've broken this connection, so now we're going to take a different path of redemption, and it's going to go all the way to the end of Revelation, where you're going to see the tree again, and we're going to have this place where heaven and earth overlap perfectly, and those who did not rebel, both spiritually and on our realm, are going to rule and govern in harmony. The reason why people can do these things is because Elohim can grant certain powers. So I tell my kids, like, no Ouija boards. No, no, no. Well, that is just a game. I don't care. I was a little scared before, but now I'm more aware that if you open a door, because if we look at how Elohims behave in the Bible, they are rebelling. So where God brings order, they want to bring chaos. Where God brings life, they want to bring death. Where God brings beauty, they want to bring um, ugly and broken disgust. So if you look at how it works, it's not like Molech just said, here I am again, back from 2,000 years ago, and here's a furnace I want you to throw your babies into. No, no, no. He said, we're going to call it something totally different. It's going to be called pro-choice. And if you're here and you're like, well, I don't like where this is going. I don't agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. Mailman, male. Mailman, male. He wrote it. I'm just saying this is what their perspective was. 
Yes, amen. At least somebody's listening. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies, and this is why, this is why we're not do, talking about a pantheon. Yes, I'm saying the word God, gods, because God is not, Elohim is not a set of attributes. Elohim means spiritual being, a disembodied spirit. So we, we see this throughout the Bible. Most high God, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, and the King of kings. He rules all, owns all, oversees all. He is the sole creator of all. And the Psalms and the whole Bible, Bible testifies to this point. You, who in the skies can be compared to Yahweh? Who among the heavenly beings is like Yahweh? A Elohim greatly to be feared in the council of those of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. So even the Bible says you're in this spiritual council, this courtroom of heaven. You're allowing them to participate. And what we fail to understand is that God did that with the spiritual realm and God has done that with our realm. And we have just punted the ball and said, what do you mean? I'm supposed to rule like these? I can't, I don't have, what am I? Who am I? You're a created being in the image of God. You have something about you that it says the spiritual Elohim long to know. The, the angels, the messengers, they look and they say, I want to know how God is related to you because he doesn't relate to us the same. There is none that are like him. It is not a pantheon that we believe in. It's not a bunch of gods fighting it out, duking it out. It's not Zeus and Poseidon and they're battling. But what is fascinating is when you look at all of the ancient civilizations around Israel, you can begin to see very clearly the similarities you begin to see very clearly that they had gods they served and their gods had pieces of the Hebrew gods. Even this, this modern statue calling it Hava is such a sleight of hand because in the book of Revelation, when Satan sends the, the Antichrist and the, the beast, he literally copies Yahweh's moves. He says, you're going to die almost and then I'm going to bring you back. It's going to be like you raised from the dead. Satan is an unoriginal thinker when it comes to spiritual matters of deception. It's a thing on repeat, but he and his rebellious beings, we would call them demons, although they, that doesn't really appear as much until there's only two times in the Old Testament. It appears much more in the New Testament than the Old Testament, sorry. But here's the Shema. The, the Hebrew people wear this on their forehead or on the back of their hand. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Elohim, the, the Yahweh, our Elohim. Yahweh is one. So we believe in a, a God. You shall love Yahweh, your Elohim. He's our Elohim. God acknowledges there's other Elohim and other people worship other Elohims. We're going to see that crystal clear in Deuteronomy 32 next week when we talk about the falls and the Nephilim, these weird spiritual human hybrid people that come out, the rebellions. But he says, your, your Elohim. See, there's a reason why Christianity isn't always just about how amazing you are morally. We were talking about this recently. Um, I think it was at Band of Brothers. About King David, how he just made mistake after mistake after mistake. He had the affair, then the murder, then the deception, then more women. Just uh, He's a comedy of errors. But what David, King David, the Goliath king never did, is that he never forsook his Elohim. Where all others around him were turning to follow other gods. So when God in the Bible gets really mad and he's like, what are you doing following after their gods? He's not just saying they're figmented things. He's saying you're following a spiritual being that I made. I made that one. And you're settling for that? I mean, this might be a bad illustration because 
Nobody really knows what In-N-Out is. But there's like the best, and then there's like day-old McDonald's. For that matter, you could keep McDonald's for about 10 years, and it doesn't change in appearance. But nobody wants the nasty, disgusting slop burger compared to that gourmet Slater 50-50s where it's 50% beef, 50% pork. The, the juices are flowing out. Perfect lettuce covered with a smoked Gouda, strips of bacon, a seared jalapeno on a brioche bun with nacho cheese and a fried egg dropped in the top of it. Ah, I'm hungry. If we didn't get that. It's like God is saying, I am above all the gods. I'm the most high. And you're not to have any other Elohim. None should be above me. I am the Elohim. So people that are even obsessed with positive angels that venerate Michael the archangel or Gabriel the messenger. God says, I am the Elohim. It's surreal to me. In Psalm 82, he ends it by giving judgment on the Elohim who rebelled. And we're going to talk about the rebellions all next week. He said, you, in the end of Psalm 82, you are Elohim. He acknowledges, you're Elohim, you're spirit, beings. You are sons. You are my family in the spiritual realm of the Most High, because he's the Most High of Elohim. All of you. He's saying that to all of the spirits. And keep in mind, he's judging one. So he's saying, there's good ones, there's bad ones. And he's saying, all of you are my sons. So when we look at the world and we're like, we are the good ones and all of them out there, the bad people, people sleeping in on Sundays, people don't have to give. They're probably just now waking up. They're probably got coolers full of bad stuff for the Super Bowl. I forgot it was a Super Bowl today. I planned a whole leadership meeting. I'm sorry, you guys. I'll make it quick. He's saying to, to all of the spiritual beings, you're all, you're all, you're all Elohim and your sons of the Most High, all of you. He emphasizes. He's saying, all, God says, all of you, you're all my sons. So when we look at another person and we're like, well, that's them and we're us. No, no, no. God says, I made humans, all of you, and I want all of you. I'm waiting patiently because I don't want any of you to perish. And I want my, my sons who are walking with me, my children who are walking for me on earth, I want you to lead and cultivate and be just and show mercy and forgiveness so that you draw people into this family. Now, there are lots of questions that you're going to have, like, can spiritual beings be forgiven? What kind of spiritual beings are there? What are angels compared to seraphim, to cherubim, to Satan? We're going to get to those, but that's not today. But here's the thing. We're going to squeeze into this. Um, on the website, if you go to the chapelfh.org on the menu, if you're on your phone, you have to hit the little four lines. You'll see a little tab that says this week. I'm going to be updating it every week. This is just something. You don't have to do this. You can if you want. But each week I'm writing sort of like a parallel sermon study that you can talk through with your family. You can talk to with your small group. You can talk to with a group of friends. And it just walks you through some questions to ask and some passages to read and simply to discuss. Because this, this stuff, it might be new to some of you. You might have never thought, Okay, wait, there's princes, there's a most high, there's a council, and there's ones that govern according to Deuteronomy 32. There's messengers that are just skedaddling around. There's hybrids that came from somehow a spirit being slept with a human being, and then they made a weird being that's in the Bible. So either we let the Bible stand on its own, 
or we try to sanitize it because it makes us uncomfortable. I printed out about 25 of these if you wanted to look at these. They're also on the website. It's just a PDF. You can right-click and download. If you need help, you can ask me. Um, and if you have questions, as we go along this, um, I title this question and response because I don't promise to have answers. So anytime throughout the week, as you're studying this topic, don't text me about, about your Aunt Sally's beautiful brownie recipe, unless it's really good. Actually, then do. But um, if you just out, you're like, I've been thinking about this, or I, I thought about this, or I have a question about the spiritual beings, the unseen realm, you can text it. That goes to here. It's my phone. It goes with me. Now, granted, it is a number that I turn off around 8 or 9 o'clock. So if you get me, you get me. If you're going to die, there's another number I have for you to text, but I'm not giving that out on the Internet. So, um, But please do text. And on this uh, sheet, there are there's a couple links in the back. And this week on the Facebook page, and actually what I'll do is I'll put it on a playlist on Tuesday. I have a meeting with one of our tech guys. I'll put the playlist to the Bible Project Spiritual Beings playlist. It'll sort of be a primer to walk us through. They've got six or seven videos that walk you through this, but it has art and it's cool. You saw about a one-minute clip of it right before the sermon. But I pray, here's my prayer for us, and I'm going to pray this as we close, that we would let the Bible stand on its own and that we as a people would begin to see more and more spiritual realities and how they intersect with our lives. Because it's not just your sin that has gotten you into the mess, but I don't want you just to blame spiritual beings. I need you to understand that it's a both and. That your sin flesh and spiritual beings have been plotting how to destroy your life and bring order and bring chaos instead of order, to bring death instead of life, to bring destruction instead of beauty. These beings have been plotting and planning this, and they've been hosting their own small groups for thousands of millennia. So be careful and be humble as you approach God. But remember, our God is the Most High Elohim, and there are none like him. Our God is in the heavens. Nothing can separate us from our God's love, not rulers or authorities in the heavens. Nothing, if you read into this study, looks at the armor of God, for we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities over this present darkness. That's who the Bible says our enemy is, and we've given almost zero thought to the realities that we're not fighting some political opponent, some neighbor, some boss. There are spiritual realities that we must become attuned and aware of. Otherwise, they will devour us. What a happy Sunday message. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your power. I thank you that you are above all and over all. Lord, I pray that you would wake up this family to see, to behold the spiritual realities, not just of these lesser Elohim, but let this compel us to be more obsessed with you, to research more and know more about you, to trust in you, to place our faith in you, because you are the most high Elohim. You are the king over all the Elohim. You manage and govern through your divine counsel and you seek and desire to have a partnership with us on this realm. And so often we are faithless, thinking it's only about the next big windfall, the next big blessing, the next healing. Lord, you one day will reconcile and put to judgment all who have rebelled and bring into your forever kingdom those who called you the most high and put our faith in you. I thank you. I thank you for this wild book that you left us, Lord. Help us now to sing to you, Yahweh, Creator, God of Israel, God of the chapel. We come to worship, to cry out in Jesus' name.